Let's turn to Psalm number 16. Psalm 16 tonight. Uh, Brother Mike, good to see you, sir. Uh, Psalm 16 tonight. Uh, here uh, we find David. Uh, and Rich, as we've said so many times, we find David in what appears to be a time of, of trial, uh, a time of difficulty, a time of some distress. Brother Ray, as he uh, is experiencing that distress, evidently he begins to turn uh, his attention to the Lord and he considers uh, the Lord's goodness and the blessings that he knows in the Lord. And uh, having done that, he, he just begins to praise the Lord. So it kind of takes us right back to where we began today, uh, the blessings that uh, Isaiah anticipated in the millennium. Uh, and the praise that uh, he anticipates in the millennium, uh, we come back tonight and see uh, David, um, David praising the Lord and, and rejoicing joyfully uh, at the Lord's deliverance from his trial, whatever it was. Gary, it may well have been the difficulty with Saul, as it so often was. Uh, we don't know for sure, and it's not all that important because... That would just be an example of a trial in which we can choose uh, to turn our attention to the Lord and, and choose to rejoice and praise him rather than despairing uh, and lamenting the trial. Uh, re rejoicing and praising him would always be a better option, right? Uh, and so that's exactly what we see uh, here tonight. I think I'll, I'll read the, the, the psalm. It's just 11 verses. Uh, some of the verses are very well known. You'll, you'll remember them. You'll recognize some. I'll read through and uh, pray. Let's, let's see here. Psalm 16, verse 1. Uh, David writes, preserve me. He prays, preserve me, O God. Psalm 16, verse 1. For in thee do I put my trust. Verse 2. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee. We'll talk about that. Uh, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Verse 4, their sorrows shall be multiplied. Whose sorrows? Well, those that hasten after another god, idolaters. Their drink offerings of blood, their false offerings, will I not offer nor take up the name, their names, the names of those idols, into my lips. Praise God. He says in verse 5, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup, thou maintainest my lot. Along the same lines, verse 6, he says, the lions, the lions are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord, verse 7, who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord, verse 8, David says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand i shall not be moved therefore verse 9 therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth my flesh also shall rest in hope for that will not leave my soul in hell don't miss this verse, for thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That's familiar to us. We'll, we'll spend a little bit of time there. Then he says in verse 11, thou will show me uh, the path of life, the path of life in thy presence. He's anticipating being in the presence of the Lord. In thy presence 
is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's wonderful hope. That's a wonderful hope. Let's stop there uh, and pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord, tonight for uh, this wonderful psalm, Psalm 16. Uh, David's difficulty turned to his uh, delight in you, as so often is the case. Lord, we understand tonight that life this side of heaven is filled with many trials, as was David's life. Lord, we understand tonight we have choices when trials come. We can dwell on them, uh, lament them, and despair, or we can turn our eyes to you. We can cry out to you. We can pray. We can uh, meditate on your goodness and the certain hope of blessings that we know in Christ. Father, I pray tonight that we take up David's example. Uh, Lord, when trials come, when difficulties come, that uh, we bring them to you. And Lord, that we just rejoice in you, knowing that you're there for us, knowing that as Christ suffered for us, this life will involve suffering, but Lord, purposeful suffering. Certainly the suffering of Christ was purposeful, and ours is too. Lord, you allow it for your good purposes. Father, that's hard at times to accept and to see, but I pray tonight, Lord, that we bear that in mind when we're troubled when we're experiencing physical trials or financial trials. Lord, you're at work. You are at work accomplishing our growth, our correction for your glory. Lord, I pray tonight we simply rejoice knowing that. Lord, help us to live above the trials, rejoicing at your involvement in our lives. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you. I thank you for the privilege it is to serve you tonight. I pray now for each of my brothers and sisters who are here, uh, Lord, that you, you help us now to uh, receive your words, to receive instruction from them, and Lord, to be encouraged by you tonight. Uh, Father, thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the kind person who left the, the water here. Marilyn, my voice just failed toward the end of the service this morning. You probably heard it online. Uh, that just happens sometimes. Uh, look, look with me here back in verse 1, Psalm 16 and verse 1. The title is uh, Miktam, Miktam of David. And it's one of these words that um, isn't translated. Uh, Brother Art, many have suggested it's the reason is we're not exactly sure uh, what the meaning is. Uh, the underlying word has the idea of a carving uh, or uh, an engraving. And as you saw in, in the psalm, uh, David, uh, he, he laments the fact that some are worshiping idols, carved uh, images, engraved images. Uh, but this is, uh, David says, this is his carving, uh, his engraving. Uh, he, he might be making a play on words between uh, the word of God and uh, the words of a false god. That, that might be the idea. I don't know. Uh, that, that's my personal theory. Uh, miktam, uh, a carving or engraving. Uh, someone noted that the, the underlying word has the idea of an, uh, a carving or an inscription uh, that is indelible. Indelible ink can't be what? 
It can't be erased. Well, neither can God's words. They, the devil has tried to blot them out so many different ways, but uh, the, these are God's words that have been indelibly carved and engraved uh, into the canon of Scripture and uh, evidently into David's heart and hopefully into our hearts tonight as well. That, that could be the idea as well. So it's a word that's worth meditating on and considering uh, what the Lord perhaps intends to see in that. And uh, we'll move on, but uh, maybe come back and, and consider that further. Uh, the second part of verse 1 here, beyond the title now, we see David having uh, trusted the Lord. He's looking to the Lord to be his protector. Brother Ray, if you've trusted the Lord, if you've placed your trust in the Lord, it just makes sense that you'd look to him to be your protector, right? Whatever you're trusting for protection, you, you lean on that thing. You look to that thing or that person uh, to be your protector. David's already decided in his heart that the Lord is his protector. Uh, and so when difficulties come, when trials and threats come, uh, he's just leaning on that decision that he's already made. Uh, he says, preserve or protect is the idea. Lord, preserve me, protect me, O God. He says, for in thee do I put my, what is it? Trust. Is that your decision tonight? Have you trusted in the Lord to be your protector uh, even before the next difficulty comes? Uh, I could ask you tonight if, if anyone here is facing a trial, and everyone put a hand up, right? Go ahead, put a hand up. Get it up there if, if you have a trial tonight. Uh, and put the other one up if you're trusting the Lord to be your protector in the midst of that trial, right? That's, Brother Art, that's, that's a good choice, right? The trial comes, you, 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 put, you put, put your other hand up, you trust in the Lord. And boy, if you've made that decision before the trial comes along, it just makes that next trial uh, that much easier. David, no doubt, he's learned to trust the Lord along the way. And so when these various trials have come, all he's got to do is turn his attention back to the one in whom he's already put his trust. Lord, give us the same heart. Uh, give us the same heart. Uh, in Psalm 31 in verse 23, the psalmist says, oh, love the Lord. Psalm 31 verse 23, oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth, he protecteth the faithful. That's promise. He, he preserveth, he protecteth the faithful. In Psalm 116 and verse 6, the psalmist says, The Lord preserveth the simple. Uh, he says, I was brought low and he helped me. Uh, tonight you have a testimony that in the midst of past trials, the Lord has helped you. Marilyn, I know you have that testimony. You share it with people all the time. At least I've heard you share it many times. God, this trial came along, this need came along, and I prayed, and boom, there, there was the Lord. Uh, not magically, supernaturally. There he was, right? Just ready, ready able, and willing to, to meet that need. Uh, perhaps tonight you could say, you know what, uh, I raised my hand before, I am in the midst of a trial, whatever it is, uh, I am in the midst of a trial, but I am trusting him to be my protector throughout this trial. Uh, by the way, if you are doing that, if, if, if you could say tonight, uh, he's helped me in the past, uh, and I know that he's helping me in this trial that I'm in right now, does that change the trial a little bit? Does it change it? 
Does it you don't have to be all anxious about it, right? Doesn't necessarily mean the trial itself is any easier, uh, but what your, your response, how the trial affects you, well, that's changed, right? You don't get as anxious. You don't get as discomforted. You're not as worried about it because you've known God to be your helper, your protector. You're trusting him uh, to be that in the midst of, through the course of, through the entirety uh, of this trial also. It changes things. Uh, and you know what? That's a help to us. And that brings praise, honor, and glory to the Lord. And that's always a good thing. Look at verse 2. David here, uh, he, he moves on. He's, uh, he says it's a little bit difficult maybe, um, or not. He says in verse 2, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, he's speaking to himself now, uh, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. That's a little bit difficult maybe. I can see a couple things here that are important though. Uh, whether or not I understand the verse at a glance, it just it sounds humble. It feels, uh, it feels humble, right? That, that's a good thing. Uh, David's looking to the Lord to be his protector, acknowledging that he can't do that for himself. That's humble. Uh, verse 2 kind of seems to build up the humility uh, from that foundation. He says to the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my Adonai. My master, Brother Ray Metchik, if I call someone my master, I'm acknowledging that I'm not the master. I'm the one under the authority of the master, right? Uh, I'm not the master. I'm not the Adonai. I am not the Lord. And David's humbly uh, acknowledging that to the Lord. He says, listen, uh, you're master of me. You're, you're Lord of me. I'm, I'm not that over you. You are that over me. He's, he's acknowledging his position humbly. Uh, underneath the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, my goodness extendeth not to thee. Uh, don't think he's saying, Lord, you know, I haven't always been good to you, but, but that would be true if he was saying that. He has not always been obedient to the Lord. We know that. We've seen that uh, even recently. Uh, I think he's, he's saying something more like this. Your goodness is so much greater than mine. Uh, your, your goodness is, is so great, it spans from heaven to me and, uh, and back again. But, you know, my, mine doesn't extend to you. I, my goodness is just so far short, Lord, of your absolutely perfect, divine, godly goodness. Uh, any goodness I have is because of you, not because of me. And, and certainly my goodness is much less than yours. You, you are the perfect God. You're the perfect master. Uh, I am under you. My goodness is less than your goodness. Uh, could we say the same tonight? Could, could we humbly say the same to the Lord? You know what, Lord? You are the Lord. Uh, you have authority over me. You, you created me. You're God. You're master. You're my Adonai. Uh, I, I am not. Lord, whatever goodness there is in me, it's you working in me and through me. Uh, my, our, our best, according to Scripture, is what in God's eyes? What, what does the Lord compare uh, our best to? Do you have a thought? Filthy rags. Uh, that, that's the best, right? Our, our best, our greatest good apart from him in, in his eyes is, is as filthy rags. And uh, boy, uh, these are humbling thoughts, but David is, he's humbling himself before the Lord, uh, under the Lord, trusting the Lord. And by the way, is it easier to trust the Lord 
when you're meditating on how greater he is than we are. Uh, isn't it easier to trust in, in someone who is so much greater than we are? If I have a need that I can't meet myself, Brother Art, I necessarily need to look somewhere else or to someone else. And when I consider how much greater the Lord is uh, versus who I am under him, that just encourages my trust in him and, and my ability to rely upon him. You, you meditate on who he is, uh, as we saw this morning, Lord Jehovah, Jah Jehovah, uh, he's the mighty one. We're the weak ones. He's the creator. We're the created. He's the one who is perfectly good. We're the ones who have little good, uh, no good apart from him. But as we look to him, uh, he can meet our needs. As we consider and meditate upon these things, we find a trust, uh, a growing ability uh, to trust in him. Uh, it's Psalm 27 uh, in verse 13, David again, Psalm 27, verse 13, David uh, writes, I had fainted, or I, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness, the goodness, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, I, I, he said, I, I thought I just would have fainted uh, in, unless I trusted in the goodness of the Lord. Brother Art, he's good perfectly good. He's good. Everything that he does is good. All of his actions are loving. Uh, even his judgments, they're just and loving uh, and good. They're just. Uh, he, he is absolutely, totally good. He's the mighty one whose might is a is is um, uh, is extended in and through his actions that are loving and good and just and so much more. In Psalm 33 and verse 5, Psalm 33 verse 5, uh, the psalmist writes, "The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord." Now, is that true? Is that true? The Bible says that's true. Uh, the psalmist writes, under inspiration, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Uh, we look out across the world, if you spend much time with the news, it's good to be informed, but uh, it's, it can be discouraging. Brother Ray, we talk about the news a fair amount. It, as we've said so many times recently, it can be discouraging. Do you feel weighed down by the endless waves of coronavirus? Do you feel weighed down by that? It's okay to say, you know what, I feel a little bit weighed down by that. I feel a little bit exhausted by it. Uh, I'm a little bit tired of it, to be honest, Pastor. Uh, and then there's so many other things going on out there as well. And it's just, it's just one more thing after another. I was thinking about Kate Gabova this week. Uh, as you were seeing news about the unrest there in Kazakhstan. I think there are 168 protesters killed in Kazakhstan. That, that's her home country. As you know, she's moved um, a little bit too far away to get here, and she's looking for a new church now. Uh, keep her in prayer, but you know, pray for family back home and, and friends back home and 
uh, the unrest there in her country. If you were looking at the news this afternoon, you probably saw this terrible fire in the Bronx. Did, did you see that? There were 19 people killed in a 19-story uh, apartment fire in the Bronx. They said they found, they found a deceased person on every single floor of that building. Smoke just went through that building and, and killed one person on every floor. That's what was actually reported. Nine of them were children. This kind of stuff, it, it can weigh you down. Right? It, it can weigh you down. By the way, in the millennium, there won't be any of this stuff. Amen? Uh, in heaven, in the millennium, in the new heaven and new earth, beyond that, there will be none of this stuff. But but right now, that we, we understand that there, there's, the Lord is allowing so much difficulty and so much trials, so many trials. He, he has purpose, uh, good purposes for all of it. But it's still hard to see it. We have to constantly be reminded of his goodness and uh, his good purposes. Uh, and, you know, he, ha- he does have good purposes in, in just the, the, the few terribly difficult situations that I've just mentioned, you know, he's, he's, he's allowing that for his good purposes, whether we can see it or not. Are there other things that we can look at around the world and say, boy, that's good. Boy, that's good. You hear about someone getting saved. You say, boy, that's good. People are still being saved. Uh, we've had some visitors here recently on Sunday mornings, and a lady who came last week and a lady who came back this Sunday morning, uh, you think, boy, boy, that's good. If God wants her here, that's, that's good. Brother Ray, you look around, you hear about missionaries planting new churches. I got Robert Mickey's prayer letter this week, and we'll, if you don't have that, let me know. If you don't get those, I'll, I'll send it to you. He, he's reporting all kinds of good news regarding their Swahili Bible translation project. We've contributed toward that, and uh, the team there is completing their training, and they'll begin that work this year. Uh, he, he wrote about um, his church um, in Kenya, uh, planting a church recently in Burundi, and the people there have already come together and, and built kind of a crude building, but it's, uh, it's big enough to accommodate them, and it's a place, Brother Ray, they're protected from the sun and, and from the elements. It looks crude as crude could be, but uh, there's a church there, and they have a building and people are being saved and baptized into that assembly, uh, and, and God is working there. Well, he's working all throughout the world. The world is filled with his goodness. Go ahead. Church is not the building. But you look at the building that they, the people came together and built, it's exciting. It's exciting. There had to be a church to need a building, and... Now there's both, the church and a building. Uh, the earth is filled full of the goodness of the Lord. Don't be discouraged. Uh, don't be discouraged. Be reminded tonight the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Let's, let's remind ourselves once again tonight. He is at work in all the trials uh, and difficulties that we see around the world. Uh, it's, all, it's, it's all driving toward the tribulation. Uh, great judgment, great, the greatest difficulties the world has ever seen. God will be in work, at work in that, Maryland, to bring Jewish people to Christ, Brother Ray, to bring Jewish people to Christ, and many will come to him. And they'll be the ones uh, amongst us who will be rejoicing in, in the millennium uh, with the rejoicing that we saw in Isaiah 12 
this morning. Well, we might as well start rejoicing now because all that hope is our hope. Uh, look, verse 3, uh, David said, But to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Seems to be saying something like this. Um, His goodness falls short of the, of the Lord's goodness. Um, I think the idea here is, but, but he, has, he has shown goodness and kindness to, um, to others, to other believers. Um, and, and he does delight in that. He, he delights in the fact that although his goodness is, is so much short of the Lord's goodness, uh, he finds, I think this, the implication, the suggestion is he, he finds strength uh, in the Lord and, and good to be, to be good uh, to others who are trusting in the Lord. And, and that's a delightful thing. You know, if you're able to encourage each other, fellow believers, uh, if you're able to be an encouragement to, uh, to lift each other up, to be there for each other, to be in church, uh, fellowshipping with each other, even if it's just for a few minutes a week. By the way, does that make a difference in your life? You get just a little bit of encouragement from each other, you know, just a few minutes a week. That makes a difference, right? Does that make a difference? I think it does. It makes a difference to me and uh, in, in being able to be an encouragement to each other. That, you know, both sides of, of that in, equation, there, there's, there's, there's encouragement in that for the encourager and the encouragee, if that's a word, Gary. Um, and, you know, we, we do well to give the Lord credit for the ability to encourage and for the ability to be encouraged by each other uh, when we're assembled together. And, um, I, wanna, I want to encourage you to be encouragers this week. Uh, you, of course, remember Brother Charlie McCready, right? He's not been able to be here uh, for quite some time. Chris, his birthday is this coming week, right? Isn't it, do I have that right? Is it next, this coming week or the following week? Charlie McCready? Is it Tuesday? This coming Tuesday. Thank you. Uh, it's in Bolton, right? Uh, this coming uh, Tuesday is Charlie McCready's birthday. Uh, Brother Ed, you have a birthday coming up this week. Are you, are you still observing birthdays? You're not. You're not. You can encourage Brother Ed this week, too. So tell him happy birthday. Send him a birthday card. Uh, you don't have to do that. But uh, Eloisa has a birthday uh, Tuesday. Charlie has a birthday Tuesday. Um, Charlie uh, has not been... Uh, comfortable being out uh, around people uh, for some time now but and he, does, he is sick now he, he's sick and he's he's got a variety of challenges I want to encourage you this week even though uh, we've not been able to see him here for a time may, maybe send him a card or call him uh, and encourage him uh, I know he would be very appreciative uh, I communicate with his wife fairly often, and she kind of keeps me up to date on, on what's happening. They, they could use some encouragement. Um, I know that would be a blessing to them. It will be a blessing to you. Uh, their address is in the, uh, the print directory and in the, um, the app as well. If you don't have the app on your phone, the directory app, let us know. We can help you get that on there very easily. Uh, Lord, help us to be an encouragement to each other. Let's go on. Um, David, uh, in, in verse 4, kind of celebrating the fact, rejoicing that he's rejected the idols and the idolatry that's all around him. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer. I will not worship. I will not make offerings to false gods. 
nor take up their names into my lips. Won't even say their names. I don't want to give them uh, any, any kind of glory at all. I want to be so separate from idolatry that I'll not even say the name uh, of an idol. Praise God that that's the right heart. Uh, David's God is the Lord. It's, it's not an idol. He wants nothing to do with idolatry. And of course, that should be our heart as well. There's all sorts of things that want to be God in our lives. Uh, sometimes our pride wants to make us the God of our life. There's all sorts of things that went to cr- want to crowd out the Lord uh, and take his place in our lives. But David says, nuh-uh, the Lord is, is my Lord. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. He says in verse 5, building up from that thought, the Lord, uh, not some idol, not some carved image, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. And then he says to the Lord, thou maintainest uh, my lot. And here in verse 5 and, and verse 6, he's using an illustration that's kind of built up from the Jewish custom that uh, a father who had land, when, when he would uh, go home to the Lord, when he would die, that land would pass on to his sons. Uh, a portion of the land to each son. A portion of the inheritance would go out uh, to his sons. And uh, David, of course, would anticipate, uh, if not already have, have realized, uh, an inheritance from, from his dad. But, you know, he seems to be saying that, well, that's good. Uh, what's even better uh, is the goodly inheritance from my good Lord. All All that I um, anticipate in the Lord is so much valuable, so much more precious, so much better than whatever I inherit uh, materially from my earthly biological father. Uh, You know, if you don't have an inheritance from a biological father, you have a spiritual inheritance from our heavenly father. And that's a much better thing, far more valuable, far more precious than anything that we could inherit materially, this side of heaven. David says, the Lord is my inheritance. Uh, not some other thing, not, not some idol or wh- whatever some idol could promise me. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance uh, and of my cup. Of course, Psalmist says this over and over and over again. David does. Uh, throughout the Psalms. In, in Psalm 76 and verse 26, he says, my flesh and my heart faileth. Uh, the psalmist knew great trials, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. And he adds two words, forever. Amen. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord is our portion forever. Whatever you might inherit uh, this side of heaven, you can't take it with you, right? But when we go home to the Lord, our, our inheritance that we know in him, it's forever. It's forever. In Psalm 142 and verse 5, the psalmist says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion uh, in the land of the living. And then Lamentations. Who's the writer of Lamentations? Do you remember? Jeremiah, exactly. uh, Lamentations 3 and verse 24. I'm trying that again. Jeremiah 3 and verse 24. Jeremiah writes, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. 
Lord, you're my portion. Help me to hope in you. Lord, you're my inheritance, a wonderful, far greater inheritance than anything else ever could be. Uh, that is true forever. Lord, help me to look to you uh, and hope in you over anything else. The end of verse 5, David says, Thou maintainest my lot. Thou maintainest my lot. Uh, one man says David means he maintained and preserved all that was dear uh, to his heart. I think it's simply this. Uh, David knew that whatever the Lord had promised to him, and we know those promises, uh, we look at them all the time. We just, in the past several messages, many of those things, um, their promises, their promises that the Lord is faithful to keep. He's a perfectly faithful God. He'll keep every promise to his people. He says, thou maintainest my lot. The promises of uh, inheritance that you have made to me, you will maintain that. You will keep that. You will be faithful. Has the Lord ever been anything less than faithful to you, Brother Mike? Has he ever been anything less than faithful to you? He has not. Even when it seems like maybe he has, we, we have to remind ourselves in our brains, according to his word, he's never unfaithful uh, to his people. Verse 6 continues along the same lines. The lines are fallen unto me. This is probably the boundary lines or survey lines, kind of maintaining that same um, metaphor from verse 5. The, the, the survey lines, the property lines that would mark out the boundaries of his inheritance are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Uh, he has a great God, a perfectly good God. His own goodness, David's own goodness is imperfect, but he has a goodly God, a perfectly good God, who has made uh, perfect good uh, pledges, commitments, promises. He has a great inheritance to look forward to. David goes on, verse 7, he just uh, sort of ratchets up, Brother Ray, the praise you know, he's, he, he begins in a difficult place, alluding to a great trial, but he's turned his attention off of that. He's, he's brought his eyes off of the trial and how hard it is and put his eyes back on the Lord and, and, and seen how good the Lord is. And, and as he's done that, he's reminded of all the promises, the great inheritance that, that is promised to him in the Lord. He, and he just, he just begins to praise the Lord. That's, that's a good uh, supernatural response to that. He says in verse 7, I will bless the Lord. I will praise the Lord. That's uh, him determining uh, to do this. He, he could be lamenting the trial. He could be uh, crouching in a corner somewhere. Woe is me, spiraling down the drain of depression. But instead, he's determining to focus on the Lord and to bless or praise the Lord. He says, I will bless the Lord. And sometimes you just need to stop and take a deep breath and say, no matter how hard this trial is, I know that I have a good God, a great God who's working in this, and I will bless the Lord. I will praise him. I determine to do that. And if I feel like I don't have the strength to do that, I'll, I'll stop and I'll pray. Lord, uh, as I look to you and, and yield to you, please give me the strength. Give me the grace uh, to praise you. That'll please him. That'll be a great help to you. Well, wh wh why else might he praise the Lord? He says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. Who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me uh, in the night season. 
Uh, reigns there is an interesting word. Uh, it's the same word that bowels is translated from. That's kind of gross, right? It's the same word that bowels is translated from. But we understand in uh, Hebrew culture that um, like we view the heart as sort of the seat of our emotions, as they say. They view the bowels as, as the seat of the emotions, right? It's just a different tradition different body part that is pictured that way, if, if you will. David said he, he'll bless the Lord, he'll praise the Lord for giving him counsel. Uh, he says, my, my reins also instruct me uh, in, the, in the night seasons. He, he's so very thankful, uh, evidently, that as he has looked to the Lord, uh, the Lord has instructed him uh, in his heart, in his reins, in his bowels. We would say heart. Uh, as he's looked to the Lord, the Lord has counseled. What does a counselor do? What does a counselor do? What do they do? They counsel. Counselors counsel. If they're good counselors, they counsel, right? If they're biblical counselors, they, they counsel from the Word of God. Well, what does that mean? They, they lead you. They guide you. They instruct you from the Word of God about how to get from where you are to where you should be, right? Uh, they, they open up the Bible and give instruction, directions, <laughs> to go back to this morning's illustration, directions uh, from the Word of God about how to get from here uh, to, to where the Lord will have you to be. He's, David is just praising God for uh, uh, that, <laughs> for just that. Uh, in the midst of a trial, as he's looked to the Lord, the Lord has counseled his heart. The Lord has instructed his heart. Uh, I think the idea here is the Lord has, has directed his heart from a place of despair or potential despair to delight, to not, not necessarily delight for the trial, but delight that the Lord is present, active, and working in that trial. Lord's given me counsel, he says. Uh, in Psalm 73 and verse 24, the psalmist says, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. He's praying. And afterward, receive me to glory. Amen. You'll, you'll guide me all the way through life and its trials and all the way home to you. Afterward, you'll receive me to glory. Uh, in Proverbs 8 and verse 14, the Lord says, counsel's mine in sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. That's amazing. Brother Art, you ever just, as you're, as you're reading the Bible, you, you come across a verse and you say, I just can't believe I have God's words. I just can't believe I have God's words. God said, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. God said that to us. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> we have God's words written uh, and preserved for us, to us, from God. That, that's amazing. Isaiah, uh, no, Isaiah, not 100, Isaiah 48 and verse 17, we'll get there on Sunday mornings in Sunday school. Um, Isaiah says, thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. He has done that in and through his words. Uh, as we open the Bible uh, in our daily devotions, uh, we find instruction, guidance, counsel from the Lord. David said, my reins also instruct me in the night seasons. No doubt. Uh, by the way, is nighttime difficult sometimes? 
you know, you put your head in the pillow, but your, your mind just fills up with all the trials and difficulties, and you know what I mean, right? Uh, and you just have to, I said to Chris the other night, there's just my head's filling up with all these things, I feel like you can't get rid of them. Well, maybe you can't get rid of them, but you, you can give them to the Lord. And you can, you can seek counsel from him as you do that. And David's celebrating, he's praising God for that. He says, my reigns also struck me in the night seasons. The Lord is there for us just as much in the dark of the night as he is the light of the day. Uh, to be a counselor and a comforter, uh, and all the things that we saw this morning. What were those three S's this morning? Salvation and strength and song in Sunday school, right? He's, he's all that, day and night, around the clock, 24-7, 365. Uh, verses 8 through 11, and we'll look at these a little more quickly than I had intended to, but... Um, Obviously, as the words of God, they're important, but they factor into the New Testament very importantly also. Um, David writes in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I've set the Lord always before me. He's, he's put the Lord before him in his mind. He's, he's keeping his eyes upon the Lord. He's uh, setting the words of God before his eyes and, and benefiting so greatly. I shall not be moved. He's finding a strength and stability as he keeps his eyes upon the Lord. In Psalm 62 and verse 6, the psalmist writes, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. The Lord is our strength. He's our stability. He is our rock. Uh, in verse 9, David writes, Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Verse 10, he says, For thou will not leave my soul in hell. Now, he doesn't mean hell in the sense of, of that place of punishment, uh, of course. Uh, the word, the underlying word can refer to the grave. It's, it's Sheol. It can refer to the grave. Brother Ray, for an Old Testament believer, uh, it would refer um, to paradise, uh, to Abraham's bosom. Uh, here he's probably using it in the sense of grave is probably the idea. He's, he's saying uh, in, in the context of this trial where, where he recognizes he might die, um, and um, he, he could. The, the outcome of this present trial evidently is such that he might die. Saul might kill him, or whatever else is happening might result in his death. But, but he has a certain hope that if he's killed, his body won't remain in the ground forever, but rather will be what, Brother Gary? Uh, resurrected, right? That, that's the idea. He, this is not just a New Testament concept. The notion of resurrection is very much uh, throughout the Old Testament as much as the New Testament. And, and David understands that. He, he understands that uh, whenever he dies, whether it's as a result of this trial or old age or, or something else, uh, he has the certain hope of, of resurrection, and he also knows why that is. He, he has revelation from the Lord, he has knowledge from the Lord that that's because 
his Messiah uh, also will die for him and, and be resurrected. So uh, verse 10, he says, that will not leave my soul in, in hell, Lord. Uh, and then the very next part of this verse, he, he takes that same idea and he applies it directly uh, to Christ, his Messiah. He says, neither wilt thou suffer, he's talking to the Father, he says, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now, I know for sure that he's talking about his Messiah. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that just, just from looking at that, but you also know uh, that on Pentecost, Peter preached these same verses, right? And he applied them directly to Christ. He said, you know, David wasn't talking about himself in, in this part of that verse. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the ones that you guys killed. Guess what? Uh, he, you killed him. He died, uh, and you buried him, uh, but he's, he's been raised. He's, he's been raised. He's, he's been resurrected, and that's the hope of all those that would come to him in faith uh, for them and for us alike. So David has this hope of resurrection, and it's because of his hope in the Messiah who, from his perspective, was still to come. He would die for David's sins, which were great, but he would also be resurrected. The fact that uh, the, the body of the Holy One uh, would not see corruption points directly to resurrection, but also point, it, it demands his death, right? You, you can't be resurrected uh, unless you've been killed and, and buried, unless you've died uh, and been buried. Uh, I mentioned already, and, and you know this, um, in Acts 2. Why don't we flip over there real fast? Why don't you jump over to Acts 2 real fast? Just see this. Uh, Peter uh, knows the scriptures, obviously, and he preaches um, verses 8, 9, 10, 11, I think, as well, um, to those who were present there on the day of Pentecost. Remember, Pentecost was a, a regular annual holiday, so it was, it was that time. Um, Acts 2, let's, let's just read quickly here, beginning in verse 25. Are you there? Are you there? Acts 2, verse 25. So uh, Peter is preaching on that day, uh, and verse 25 says this, For David speaketh concerning him, Christ is the him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's on my right hand, that I should not be moved. That sounds familiar. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Verse 27 is going to sound very familiar. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Peter's preaching Psalm, uh, Psalm 16. Verse 28, there he goes on. He says, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. He goes on now, and he's, he sort of uh, explains, he, he preaches a, an expository message on that passage. He says, verse 29, Men and brethren, let me speak freely uh, unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. Uh, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. He probably pointed over toward it. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God hath sworn uh, with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Verse 31, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell. 
Uh, Christ didn't need to go to hell to suffer any punishment, but he did go to uh, paradise, preach the gospel, we believe, and uh, deliver the Old Testament believers from Abraham's bosom to heaven proper, neither, uh, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Uh, Brother Art, Christ died on the cross for us, paying the price for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, just as he said, he was raised. He was raised, proving that God the Father was satisfied with the punishment, with the price that was paid, that the debt was paid in full, proving who he is, the Messiah, the long prophesied one. Uh, his flesh did not suffer corruption. He was raised again uh, unto glory on third day. Uh, Paul also alluded to this passage. I won't read it tonight for time's sake, but you want to make a note in Acts 13, starting in verse 35. Uh, Paul preached the same passage uh, at Antioch, uh, verse 35, 36, 37. Um, he wanted people to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the prophesied Messiah, the one who was prophesied by David uh, in all of the prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, he came, he came, and he fulfilled all of those prophecies. Uh, Come back and look at verse 11 in our passage. We're done. We're done. Verse 11. See here David's wonderfully confident that in his Messiah he had found the path of life. Uh, the, even if he died, even if he died, one day he'd die no matter what, um, there was a path available through this life, this side of heaven, one which the Lord would direct and guide and counsel him all the way through this life. It was a path through this life, but ultimately a path to the kingdom, the millennial kingdom. David praises the Lord. He thanks him for this. He says, that will show me the path of life. That's a phrase that's only used several times in scripture, the path of life. That will show me the path of life. Uh, the path into heaven, into the millennium, into the new heaven and the new earth. Thou will show me the path of life. He anticipates coming into the presence of God uh, one day. He says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures. For how long, church? He says, forever more, forevermore. Um, do we struggle with joy and rejoicing today? Do we struggle with that at times? Church, church, look up here. Everybody, do we struggle with that sometimes? We do, we do. Remember, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, right? As we yield to the Spirit of God, He produces joy in us. You can fake it, you, you can fake joy, but as we yield the Spirit, say, Lord, I need your joy in my life. Lord, as, as I reflect upon all the hope uh, that there is in you, uh, as, I, as I yield to you, uh, Lord, would you, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? Would you cause me to rejoice in the certain hope that I know uh, in Christ? Would, would, you, would you cause me to rejoice? Would you cause me to rejoice today as I meditate on, as I consider the fullness of joy 
that I will know in your presence. Are you going to come into the presence of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you for real? For real. Wow. Wow. Jude 24 and 25 says this, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for David's confident hope in you. Lord, I pray tonight that we take up his example. Lord, I know tonight these are your words, and you, you desire to apply them to our own hearts in the most practical way tonight. Lord, we have many things that could weigh us down, many trials, tragedies all around us tonight, personal difficulties that fill our lives and desire to occupy our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray tonight that we, we take these things and we give them over to you uh, with a wonderful, genuine gratitude tonight. And as we do, Father, I pray that you'd place a peace in our hearts and, Lord, cause us to rejoice. All of these things are being allowed by you for your good purposes. You're a good God. You're a loving God. Lord, help us to remember tonight that all the trials are so temporary. Uh, this life is over in the blink of an eye, and eternity is just that. It's eternity. Lord, help us to remember tonight that we're a people who have a certain hope of the fullness of joy in your presence. Lord, thank you. Father, thank you tonight that uh, the comfort of the Holy Spirit is available to us today. And Lord, that same Holy Spirit is ready, able, and willing to bring forth all the fruits that are promised, most certainly including joy. Father, as I reflect on this tonight, I pray that you burden us to be a people who praise you. Lord, we have so much to praise you for. Lord, if there's things that need to be prayed over to you tonight, give us hearts to do that now uh, as we close. Lord, give us hearts to thank you uh, and praise you that we can. Lord, as we do that, I pray tonight that you'd, you'd give us, you'd grant us the peace that you've promised uh, and, Lord, the joy that anticipates the fullness of joy that we'll know in your presence. Give you a moment to pray. Lord, I'm reminded tonight that Jesus taught us to abide in him. 
not be casual about our walk with him, but to purposely put on Christ each day, to abide in him. Lord, I'm reminded tonight that our Savior said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Lord, I pray tonight that you help us to truly, genuinely draw closer to you. Put on Christ tonight and tomorrow and the next day. Lord, to walk more genuinely closely with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not being casual about our relationship with you, but purposefully drawing close to you, abiding in you purposefully each day. Lord, you've promised us a joy as we do that. Lord, as we know that joy, as we experience that, I pray that we praise you for it, that we praise you for it. Even in the midst of trials and difficulties. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Garcia, you come please. Lead us in a closing song. Thank you all for being here tonight.